0: record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. Hi, I'm Trisha Yearwood and you're tuned to Furniture Today's On The Record podcast with Bill McLaughlin. Before we turn to Bill and his guests, I just want to give a shout out to the entire Furniture Today team and remind you that when there's something exciting to announce, you'll read about it first in Furniture Today. And now, here's Bill McLaughlin and On The Record. Welcome to the On The Record podcast. I'm Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. I have a special guest this week, Karen McNeil, CEO of the Home Furnishings Hall of Fame. Uh, As you know, we're heading into High Point Market. As we are recording this, as you're listening, we are actually right in the midst of market Um, And this certainly is a very unusual market. If this was a normal market, we'd all be preparing to go to the Hall of Fame Gala, which has become one of the highlights of market every year. A really exciting, dynamic event Uh, this year, obviously, because of obvious circumstances, that won't be taking place. Uh, But Karen, you are not uh, resting on your laurels. This is not uh, in any way going to be a, um, a break in the continuity for the Hall of Fame. You've got a lot planned, don't you?
1: Oh yes, absolutely. And so first of all, Bill, thank you for having me today. I always love to talk about the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame has actually been busier than ever during this time. You know, you can't put on a big event for 1,200 people without a lot of planning. And this year, we have an amazing group of inductees. They're Blumpkin, Rob Cole, Bob Marisich, Alan Palachek, and Todd Wanek. As, as you will notice, that they represent a great deal of diversity in terms of the different segments and the roles that they play in the industry. So, for example, we, even though we have postponed our banquet because of COVID to the April market, it will be on April 17th, we have moved forward with all that we can do and need to do. So we've just gotten done taping five videos with each one of these individuals on leadership, on their companies, on Uh, leading through difficult times is a very intensive interview that is, we've now done 29 that is forming quite a body of work. And we also have been able to re-engage or continue to engage John Mackey, who is the founder of Whole Foods. The reason this is so significant is because John is a a working CEO. He goes to work every day. He is not on the speaking tour and he accepts very few speaking engagements, but he accepted our request for him to come and speak to the, to the this industry because we're an industry of entrepreneurs and because it's not a, a social group, it is a business group. And he was very intrigued with this idea and felt that he did have a lot to say. Now, this was before COVID. Now, because of COVID, he is very interested in addressing some of those challenges and and how he has led through those difficult times. So we think that he is going to be an amazing speaker, but even perhaps more impactful because he is a working, actively working CEO.
0: That's terrific. Now, you're also going to have the uh, the pinning ceremony that goes with the Hall of Fame in April. Can you, you share details of how that's going to take place when we do finally get back together?
1: Yeah, so the pinning ceremony is actually my very favorite part of the induction process. And the reason is that the inductees and their families and other leaders in the industry, so they're anywhere from 150 to 200 people who gather around, it it seems almost more casually in front of the Wall of Fame, which is in the Furniture Plaza building. They gather in front of the, the Wall of Fame and the, the new plaques that go up on the Wall of Fame are covered, so the inductee has never seen them. A, a current inductee, so for example, uh, Ron Wanick will pin Todd Wanick and he, he presents the pin, which is a gold and a enamel and diamond pin to his son. And it is so moving because it is at that point that the inductees realize the magnitude of how they're being recognized and that this it becomes real and then they unveil the plaque on the wall of Fame again seeing themselves being placed among this August group of men and women and then also they are presented a crystal brick which signifies the bronze brick the permanent bronze brick that, is placed out in the sidewalk. So it's really at that point that they realize, their families realize, their companies realize that this person is being inducted into the Hall of Fame, which is the industry's most prestigious honor.
0: That has to be a really special moment, um, I would think, for someone like Ron, who has been inducted, to be able to pin your son. I, there are, there are, I'm sure, very few people in the Hall of Fame who have had the opportunity to in some way kind of pass that honor down and share that with, with a son. That's that's really a, a, an amazing kind of a thing.
1: And the inductee chooses who they would like to do the pinning. And it, it's a very intimate and very personal moment. It's very moving. Yeah,
0: it really is. Now, people tend to think of the Hall of Fame in terms of the dinner and it's always been kind of an idea and i know you and i have spoken before about all of the materials that you have gathered over the years and they have never had a home until now we finally have and thanks to the efforts that that you and the committee has made over the last few years to to raise money there's finally a place where the hall of fame will become a physical thing um what's the status of of that so you know
1: with with covid we put the construction on pause and now we we just had a, another building committee meeting this week now we're we are getting back to the business of getting moving forward with that we are we've completed the design development phase of construction which means that we have the concept for the structure of the building and now we have we move into the building phase so it takes It takes a little while to get those construction documents done before you can actually move forward with the the literal building of the building. So that's where we are on that. But at the same time, then you have what goes in the interiors, and that's the exhibits. Last February or January, we hired a world-class exhibit firm, Roto, which is out of Columbus, Ohio. They have amazing facilities, and we have gotten the concept design for the displays, which we're getting ready to unveil to the industry. We'll probably do that right after market. What has been so amazing about the concept phase is that when you go into creating any kind of, of exhibit, you have to have a concept for how you're going to present. You have to have organizing themes. Or how you're going to present the information. So they brilliantly studied our industry and came up with four organizing themes. The first is the industry, the second, the people, the third, the process, and fourth, the products. So in the industry segment, we'll talk about what we do as an industry, the scope of the industry, $150 billion industry. About what goes into a home in furnishing a home. It will be about how the products are coming to market, so to speak. And not just the High Point market, this is about the whole world. This is not just about the High Point market. Then the people is about who makes up the industry. So, in here, we will have a section that will be presenting the inductees. It will be very inspirational. So the focus is not so much on their biography, but rather on the impact that they made on the industry or on their leadership style. It is very forward-looking, not backward-looking, but forward-looking. But then another big part of it is going to be really about when you get down to how to describe it, the job opportunities that are in our industry so, for example, what does it mean to be a product designer? What does it mean to be a merchandiser? What does it mean to be an upholsterer? What does it mean to be in global sourcing? And a part of that is going to be the Tell Us Your Story video booth. And we will have a video booth, and we we will be lining up our industry, people in our industry, to come in. And, for example, Bill, we would ask you to come over and to talk about what it means to be the editor of Furniture Today. What do you do on a daily basis? How do you go about your work? Um, How long does it it take you to get to know the industry? What do you find most exciting about the industry? So we would have different people, and that part of it is not just for us as an industry, but that is outward-looking also to consumers. And a big part of what we're doing is really looking to how we can reach out to consumers to support their interest in the home. It's a really unusual situation when you think about it, because actually everyone has furniture. And when I travel, it's probably the same for you, when I travel and people say, what industry are you in? And I say I'm in the home furnishings industry. I often hear all kinds of stories about I remember the first apartment that I decorated or oh yes my dad had a favorite chair have you ever heard of lazy boy <laughs> and just yep. all kinds of because everybody can relate to their to their furniture but people know nothing about our industry nobody knows how how does that product come to market come to the store, no, but the home families are so totally relational, and our industry is totally relational. When I explain to consumers, again, thinking of somebody sitting on a plane, when I explain to them how much pride this industry takes in the products that they're producing, how they really think about how people will use the products, they love that. They love to know that there's it's not just a product. That there is more to it than just a product. So we we're very outwardly focused. Then the third is the process, how it happens from the manufacturing, how how what and again, we have we've been doing a lot of video work. So we're, we're developing this body of work. But how are things made? And then the products themselves, are going to be discovery areas about what's your style. Or uh, we have one section that will allow people to design their own rooms. And then there, there are also going to be spotlight areas that will feature new products or new ideas The spotlight galleries. So it's gonna be very inspiring. The design of the building itself is amazing. I think people will be stunned when they see this area. And then the other thing that I would say about the building that I think is so exciting that, that people will be It will just be a a jaw dropper experience when you see it. And that is the the Grand Digital Story Wall, which is a huge wall that faces the, the street that is a number of different panels, TV panels, each of which can have their own programming. So this is two sided. So you can see it from the outside, and you will be it will be very dramatic to see. Just think of, you know, the huge big screen in Times Square, only these are different panels that each can be programmed differently. And then on the other side, the other side forms the wall for our celebration hall. The celebration hall will be big enough for a seated dinner of 400 people or for other events. So it is a huge space. And then we'll have. Uh, we also are designing the galleries so that there can be smaller events and cocktail parties. We have a the leaders' board room, which will seat fifty, because there is a huge need for meeting space for a boardroom where everybody can look at one another. And this will be open to all of the of the organizations in our industry to have their board meetings. That can be broken down into two separate rooms or then also, of course, the community, we will be embracing the community to come in and have their board meetings there if they would like to do it. So there are are many, many different aspects of this building that when the industry sees it, I think it truly will become the industry's home. It will be a training center. It will be a, a place to exchange ideas, a place to be inspired a place to meet, a place to greet. We'll have a full catering kitchen so that we will be able to support the different events during markets and in between markets as well with the community. But I think it will also be a place that companies will say, we are doing this this big announcement of something and introducing it in front of these huge screens where we can truly show the impact of what we're doing, and then have a meeting or then have a gathering, I think that this, this we will say, how did we ever do without the Hall of Fame? How did we ever do without this building?
0: That sounds like a great backdrop for those kinds of announcements. It really does. Now, this I noticed as you talked about this, this is not just inwardly facing for the industry. This is something for consumers, people who come to High Point, um, tourists who want to get a sense of, you know, High Point as kind of the home furnishings capital of the world, to come and learn about the industry. So this is outward facing, not just inward yes.
1: facing. Yes, absolutely. And in in my previous life, when I had my marketing company, one of our clients was the Convention and Visitors Bureau, which is now called Visit High Point. And I, being in the industry, spending most of my time working in the home furnishings industry, they would say to me, you know, the industry really needs to do something about having a place for people to visit, because every day people walk into their uh, their public display and say, we want to see the home furnishings capital of the world. Where do we go? And there, you know, there is the chest of drawers and then the closed showroom doors. So there's nothing for people to come here and to see it. And yet I would venture to say that anybody who is listening to this and anybody in the industry, if you say High Point to someone else in another city around the world, they go, oh, furniture. That's where they sell all the furniture. It's the furniture capital of the world. And yet when people come here, there's nothing to see, and the Hall of Fame is going to change that.
0: That's, that's wonderful because High Point off-market is not a tourist destination and this will really give them um, a great opportunity and it gives the industry a great face to the rest of the world if they want to come and visit. That's a, a wonderful idea. Well, that was something, wasn't it? This is Tricia again for Klausner Home Furnishings. From my very first collection, I knew I'd come to the right place, that Klausner understood what I wanted to do with my furniture, how I wanted to share my recipe for comfortable living with the world. Now, let's get back to Bill McLaughlin and see what he and his guests have to share with us. Um, I noticed you mentioned the video series. I know you record those with the um, honorees each year, but this year, because of the changes that we're going through as an industry, you're doing something uh, a little special after market. Talk a little bit about the leadership series.
1: Yes, yeah, so we are reaching out to our inductees, of which there are 116 inductees in the Hall of Fame now. And then when we add our the class of 2020 that will be inducted on April 17th, that, that will make it 121. And we are reaching out to them and we will be talking with them on a, a Zoom-type platform about how do you lead through the, the difficult times. What would be the advice that you would give? What would be, if you had to narrow it down to one thing or to three things, what would you say is really important or what caught you by surprise? What did you find work? And then we will be sharing that on, it will be an e-blast, but then we'll also be sharing it on our, our website. You know, really, when we came up with, this was almost 10 years ago, we revamped the selection process of the members of the Hall of Fame, and it, it, it's based on four different things to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. We said, what should a person look like? And what the first was enduring excellence over a long period of time, superior accomplishments, innovation and creativity, and philanthropic generosity. And it's wonderful to induct people into the Hall of Fame, but it would be a really sad thing if we just induct them and then it stops so we tell the inductees you're being inducted into the hall of fame and please think of this as the start to sharing and passing on your vision and what you've learned and your experience to to the rest of the industry as well as to the future leaders so we have another program that is focused on our leadership initiative and the speaker series is part of that. These videos will be part of that. Our future leaders program is part of that. And then we have some, we have another major program that we are hoping to unveil and roll out within the, the next couple of years. So it's all looking forward and it's about future generations.
0: You mentioned the future leaders program. Tell me a little bit about that. What What is the future leaders program?
1: A few years ago, we, uh, we were looking at, so first let me say that when someone who is under 40 after the banquet says to me, that was the best banquet ever, I just absolutely loved this induction celebration, I always say to them, tell me what you liked about it. And there are always one of two things that they say. And I could put you on the spot and ask you what you think they are, or I can keep on going.
0: Please keep on going. I'm terrible at guessing
1: games. (laughs) So they tell me one of two things. They either say, I loved the acceptance speech, or I loved the videos. And the purpose of the videos is about, about leadership. We want people to look at that video of the person being inducted and feel their heart. It's not auto, It's not biographical at all. It is about how do they lead? What's their passion? What motivates them? We want them to feel the heart of that person. So really, our induction celebration is a celebration for those people, but we have a huge focus on inspiring future leaders and of giving them examples of what really great, extraordinary leadership looks like. So for example, when uh, when Kurt Garrow said in his video, when Lazy Boy was faced with a great recession and possibly of going out of business, he said, we had on our executive team, we had a, a rallying cry, not on our watch, this brand is not going down, not on our watch, and that we had a determination that we would do whatever it took. Or Alan Gant and Sombrella, and they don't have any patents whatsoever because they said, we're already on to the next thing. We don't need to patent our work because we're already on to the next thing. Well, we'll, Where where do you get all of that endless innovation that you don't need? They don't even have one patent on any of their products. Where Where do you get all of that innovation? He said it's freedom. You have to have the freedom to fail. And we give our people the freedom to fail because if they're not trying new things and they're not coming up with new ideas, we will never go on to the next great innovation. So, That is what we're trying to do with the future leaders. So we said, okay, how could we recognize someone that would not just give them the recognition, but truly inspire them to do something much more? So what we do with the future leaders program, each year we identify and we honor 10 future leaders. And those future leaders have to be under 40. They have to be an innovator. They have to be considered a leader among their peers, that their peers look to them. We want them truly engaged with the home furnishings industry. They can't be shy. They have to be willing to engage in a discussion, and they have to be someone that the company would like to recognize and encourage because they've already identified them as a leader. So then these 10 people are broken up into two nights. and uh, we we have five future leaders and we invite five inducted members of the Hall of Fame. and they come to uh, to my house, and my husband Steve Pond, who is the founder of your publication and the founder of Furniture Today, leads a discussion around the dinner table over dinner between the five inducted members and the five future leaders. And it is the most fascinating conversation to have these these people who are at the height of their careers facing these future leaders who have hopes to become the inducted members of the hall of fame and the inducted members as well as the future leaders have told us this is the most impactful thing that i've ever been to in our industry
0: that's like a master's class you you couldn't pay for that kind of education in a um in a college and
1: the, the future leaders have told me you know i always had high hopes but now I'm determined that I I am I do want to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. I want to do something that's so stellar that puts an impact on this in, this industry, and that so that's that is what one of the ways that we are looking at how do how do we keep people in this industry, and how do we keep young people into into this industry. How do we attract people into this industry? It's all woven into this new building and the videos and this pool of work that we are developing to really to get consumers as well as people already in the industry to say, you know, this is a fabulous, fabulous industry. And we're creative. We're we're based on change, constantly changing things. We're innovative. There's an awful lot of technology In our industry. And you know what? We're really great people. We're a very relational group of people where you can establish lifelong friends. So, this industry is really amazing. And then I just have to fit this in. One of the things that we're doing for the new building is creating a video, which will be the inside story of home fashion, creating the place we call home. Now, the reason that we have embarked upon doing this is because consumers really have no idea how products are created and come into their homes. But you know what? Our industry doesn't know either. The people who come to market may know, but the person back at the plant, the person back in the retail store really has a very limited vision of the industry. They don't ever come to market and they likely don't ever go to a manufacturing plant if they're in a retail store. If they're in a manufacturing plant, they don't go to a retail store. So this is going to be a very exciting, a very fast-paced video that will explain from the design concept all the way through to furniture being delivered to your home, how it got there and all the care that went into to creating and producing the product.
0: Oh, that's a great educational effort. Um, you, you talked about the industry and how relational it is and how quick it is to respond um, one of the things that we've seen this year and one of the challenges that I'm sure leaders are talking about is the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and and our industry has really stepped up in a very, very rapid way earlier this year. A lot of companies got engaged. And I, I understand that you've undertaken at the Hall of Fame a COVID-19 project to capture some of those efforts. Um, tell folks what you're doing, and what kinds of things that you're looking for so that people can participate and can contribute.
1: Yes. So we have, a at the Hall of Fame, we have a full-time historian, a PhD historian that works for the Hall of Fame. And when we were in the middle of sheltering and everyone was working from their home, Lauren Estep, who is our executive vice president, and Kyle Hughes, who is our historian, We're talking on the phone, and Kyle said, "You know, it's interesting that in our archives, I find that in World War II plants were converted. But Lauren, what did they do to the plants? What What did they make?" And Lauren said, "You know, we've talked about that before, and we don't know. There's no. There isn't documentation. There aren't." Photos. So we know that they did it, but we don't know exactly who did it or what they did. And so Lauren and Kyle said, we need to capture this moment now for what companies are doing. So it could be what, they're, what manufacturers, you've done many, many stories on what manufacturers did for their communities or did on an even um, on an even grander scale, on a national scale. But what companies did internally also needs to be captured, whether that's in press releases or newsletters or uh, videos or photographs. And we have had a huge response to this that people have said, you know what, that you're really right. We really do need to capture it. But we're also looking for things like a letter that the head of the company might have written to all employees. Uh, I'm not a historian, but having been connected with the Hall of Fame, I have learned that some things like letters become, years later, become the, the most poignant and revealing things when you can feel the emotion and you it can help you understand, for example, what people were really going through. But, you know, I, just yesterday I was talking to somebody and and they said, so I'm calling this the gloom to boom period. And of course, the gloom period was when we were on a sheltering and then the boom period is people buying all of the now buying all the product. And he said, and now we're back to the gloom period when we don't we have we're having problem with the supply chain and getting product. But anyway, just those kinds of insights, Fifty years from now or a hundred years from now, they become more fascinating. It may seem common now, but it won't be. And we need to capture it now because even a year from now, it will become more difficult to gather the information.
0: I think that's such a great effort. You know, people so rarely realize when they're going through something to take the time to capture that kind of thing. Like you said, World War II came and went and people did all kinds of things. And, and there was no Hall of Fame. There was no one there to recognize the historic, you know, the, the flow of history, right? The ebb and flow and, and to take the time and the effort to capture um, those moments and those materials, the, those kinds of letters. Um, as a student of history myself, that primary resource material is so critical when putting together uh, historical works. I think that's that's really such a tremendous effort. Um, If there's anything that we can do to help with that, please let us know. Um, We would love to share. well, you know
1: what? Uh, uh, We are. We will reach out to you immediately. So thank. We'll wait until after market, but we will.
0: (laughs) Bless you for waiting till after market. I think everyone is. (laughs) um, As we head into market, everyone is uh, is running and scrambling. Karen, this is has really been so informative. There's so much exciting. Uh, activity going on at the Hall of Fame. It, it has just, uh, just the last couple of years, it's been so explosive in terms of the energy and the initiatives. And it sounds like really we're just seeing kind of the tip of the iceberg of things that are going to be coming for the Hall of Fame. Uh, the
1: best is yet to come. Thank you, Bill.
0: Well, thank you for taking the time. Um, my guest has been Karen McNeil, CEO of the Home Furnishings Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm Bill McLaughlin with Furniture Today, and this is On the Record.